0: Into another conversation with Rob. I haven't actually done one these in a couple of years, but I'm very happy to have my good friend Kevin Flanagan with us today. And we're gonna explore what he's been up to in the world. How are you, Kev?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I am fantastic. I've been wanting to get you on this for a while now because you are a little bit of a well, I look up to you a lot and I I can't say that enough. You and me have known each other for, what,
1: 10 years now, I'd say? 10 years, yeah.
0: And I don't know if we're going (laughs) to explore the catalyst (laughs) (laughs) what brought us together. But uh, I would like to explore some recent developments in your life um, Mm because you've just set up your own coaching, consulting uh, business, and I'd like to explore that. So maybe we can talk about... You know, what What it was that got you into personal development in the first place?
1: Yeah, okay. Well, like, yeah, we've known each other for a very long time, a decade now. And that is a very interesting story. It's not a typical, like, friendship, how we got to know each other and all the stuff that was happening back then. Um Let's Nothing illegal
0: it. as well. Let's just put it on the record. Nothing illegal.
1: Nothing illegal. <laughs> no, of course not. But it was legal. <laughs> uh, so, per- I mean, yeah, this like uh, this question I find kind of interesting. Uh, you asked me this before. Like, when did like, I get into personal development? And it made me think about it because I was like, I never thought of it as something I was like getting into. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like a conscious sort of a conscious decision to say that this is important and this is something that I'm interested in and but I guess like if I I I mean and so everybody's life alter their life they are in one way or another engaged with personal development like we're always it's human nature to want to do better you know what I mean it's it's one of the things that I love about humanity is that we're never satisfied with what we have like you know once we get to a goal once we achieve the thing that we want like the job promotion or you know the just the nice things that you want to have in the world we get tired of them very quickly and we move on to the next thing and the next thing um and that's pretty that's a really natural natural thing for for humans to do to always want to be bettering themselves um but if I was to put my finger on it kind of maybe a significant very significant step that i took in that journey of development was probably going to india uh, in 2008 which was just uh, maybe Six months before we met, I guess I had been in India. And I was one of those kind of like typical uh hippie type people, you know. I was I was going to India with a with a really like with a purpose in mind. You know, I had already been reading a lot at this stage um about Eastern mysticism, concepts like self-realization, um higher consciousness, uh, finding uh, contentment within yourself. Mm. You know, like there's these ideas in, in say Buddhism, for example, where life is like the wheel of a bike and all of these events and activities and happenings are going on around you. This is just come back to what I was saying a minute ago about kind of never being satisfied. There's always new, um, you know, impulses, there's new desires, new, uh, new new experiences going on in your life. And Buddhism talks about how to bring your consciousness to the center of this wheel so it's kind of still mm. while the world goes on around you. And that's, this was something that really appealed to me, like finding this inner contentment, this inner happiness, which, which if found would mean that uh, I didn't need to find satisfaction outside of myself that I was complete and I was whole as I was so I was like very interested in that side of things in um, the eastern mysticism in hinduism in self-realization and consciousness uh, conscious expanding and uh, really this just very strong sense of the world is for me as I perceive it to be so if I perceive it to be bad or if I perceive like myself to be like incomplete or that I need to achieve something or I have something that I have to do well that's something that happens entirely in in the mind and Mm. so by doing mind mechanics I've I've come up with different terms for these things over the years mental alchemy mind mechanics and realizing that I actually fundamentally could change my reality yeah Uh, and then seeing that like putting that into effect in the world which is kind of like when we met, right? Um, I guess, like we've mentioned it a couple of times, just to give a bit of context for people who might be thinking something weird is going on. <laughs> um, um, once I had come back from India, and it was just when the recession was like really kicking off. You remember that time, the financial crisis. I happened to get myself a job in uh, working for a bank. Mm like very, I could say at that time it was very lucky in the sense that it was really hard to get work at the time when I came back. Um, but I'm sitting in this job, it was like customer service for the bank. It wasn't like a teller or something. And I'm keep looking out the window, you know? And I'm like, I just came back from India and like there's a whole world out there. What the hell am I doing sitting at this desk? you know tapping away on a keyboard looking out the window and imagining like what else i could be doing and there was always this sense of wanting to not just change myself but i wanted to help the world you Mm. know and i was young and foolish enough to think that i could do it you know and (laughs) i still am a little bit like that i don't know if i call it foolish though (laughs) well it's it's foolish in an archetypical sense you know yeah. you have the courage to do it you know yeah. you're Feel hardy feel hardy about it you know and not yeah not foolish per se but like in the archetypical sense like the, the, the first card of the tarot is the fool the yeah. zero and it's the it's the beginning card it's the adventure card you know it's the the, the card where everything is possible so yeah uh, but at the time, as I said, the recession was kicking off, and I knew about banking. You know, I had been reading about the financial system, how how money works, what it is, why does it, uh, you know, why is it so prevalent in society? Where does it come from? I had known about that, and I'm working in the bank, and I have these like seriously I had like old women who would call me and they're so afraid that they're going to lose all their savings because mm. this recession is happening and I'm, I'm sitting there like but it doesn't have to be this way oh my god you know just that because people didn't realize how the financial system was working and money worked that, and I kind of started to see this bigger problems in society and how that hmm when you trace these problems back they they all come back to the mind you know and how people perceive themselves in relation to society in relation to the state in relation to the outside world and that perception actually defines what the world is when the majority of people perceive us, i think to be a certain way whether or not that's actually an actual fact we still live as though it is it is actual fact and so i made the website Uh, an online forum to try and like pull together loose strands of people who were in Ireland who were probably thinking the same way as me at the time. Uh, People who were interested in what was happening with the financial system and the nature of money, but also deeper, like to go deeper into the court system, how the courts are operating, how law works. Mm like in a jurisprudential sense in a spirit, I would say spiritual sense. Mm. I always looked at it from a spiritual point of view that made it a little bit, uh, I think my, me a little bit different from the other guys who we met early on and uh, uh, through that website. For me, it was always spiritual. It was always like self-realization and you know, taking ownership of yourself and your narrative uh, and to, to do something to change the world, realizing that you have power albeit limited power, you have some limited power to do things in this world. And if you use that intelligently, if you, you know, understand the the, the language of symbolism and mental mechanics, mental alchemy, how to use language, how to use words Mm. to actually change the world. It was, it was amazing time of my life and and, uh, I'm sure for you as well. And that's when we met a lot of like really interesting people and so on. So, uh, I've kind of forgotten what your question was. I've gone on. Well, it's a, like, it's
0: it's all sort of in the realm of personal development, right? So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, personal development, and I guess like through all of that, I was becoming a different person. I was changing, and um, there's a saga there of like maybe four or five years of doing activism. I hate the word, but you know, like doing being active in wanting to change my world. Uh, but that's the hero's
0: journey right like we go on this journey to learn our own style of leadership what it is that we want to contribute the value we want to bring back into the world
1: absolutely that is the hero's journey and so then I started to realize that hmm uh, I came a bit disillusioned with that movement because of the sense that um, you know it became a big movement in Ireland a protest movement and so on and I just started to feel like I didn't resonate with that message anymore. Mm. Uh, it wasn't what I was about. It wasn't what I wanted to achieve. Like and it made me realize more and more that the answer lies not so much in trying to change the system, but in helping people change themselves, mm. to change their own view of themselves, to become the hero of their own saga, to become yeah, the master of their life, to, to connect with the inner master inside of themselves and, to take complete control uh, well as much control as is possible of themselves and of their own life and their future and when i said yes to my call to adventure i can remember i can remember the night it happened you know when i said yes when i had this like realization c- combining uh, what i had learned in india and eastern mysticism with western philosophy but also what I had begun to learn about the nature of the society today, the relationship between the individual and the state in a philosophical sense, in a spiritual sense. When all of this combined together, it was like the path was laid open in front of me. I could see this journey that I was about to go on. And I said, yes, I am doing this. Mm. I am doing it. I I quit my job within two weeks of this happening. They asked me why was I leaving and I said I can't work here ethically anymore. My heart was calling me to a different way. And I remember there was one guy who I worked with who was one of the few people I got along with well there at the bank and we were walking home from work one day and I was telling him about this experience I had and I can remember I can still hear myself saying it now this is my life now this is my life now I made that very conscious decision to say yes to the absurdity you know the absurd adventure that I was being called on and that just completely changed my life in ways that I could never have imagined before I said yes to that adventure you know I'm not coming from a let's say very like great background I haven't had a very easy start in life and uh, the opportunities, the pool of opportunities to, for me, I would have perceived as being quite limited in terms of my family contacts and mm. the start that I had in life. But that pool became bigger. That pool became an ocean, not because of what was handed to me, but because of what I made for myself. Yeah. And that was the big eye opener. Like we're all dealt cards in life. We're all dealt different cards and we can sit there and we can play cards. I realized I didn't want to play cards. I don't want to play the game. I want to play my own game. I want to walk my own path. And fast forward till today, like I'm now working for a, you know, an international nonprofit organization that's working directly with students to teach them mostly about liberty and about like freedom, personal freedom, uh, how societies can be run better, uh, with better, you know, better policies and so on. But ultimately what that's really about it's not about the policies and it's not about the surface, what you see.
0: Okay, so we're back. Uh, I don't know what happened there. We froze, but uh, you were on a, on a roll and you were talking about um, the Students for Liberty and the work that uh, we do mm-hmm. with students around mm-hmm. the globe.
1: Yeah, so it's super rewarding to be able to, you know, impact the lives of, of, at this stage, thousands of students from across the globe. First of all, talking about something that's Fundamentally important to me, which is personal freedom that, that equates to choice it equates to the ability to express yourself and but on a much deeper level it 's self realization I, I, I see the two as as one and the same, uh, even on the wall behind me i don 't know if you can see that I have a poster, and on this piece of paper, the word "freedom" is written in probably like twenty or more different languages mm. um, by by the students who we work with in sFL so That's like the very rewarding work that I'm doing. Tell us a little bit about
0: SFL and and the mission.
1: Mm -hmm. So Students for Liberty, uh, the mission is to educate, develop, and empower the next generation of leaders for liberty. And the vision of the organization is a freer future for for all. So we're connected by the fundamental value of, of freedom, which can, you know, break down into different components. You've got like, you know, personal freedom, economic freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and so on and so forth. Ultimately, for me, it just equates to choice, having choice, the ability to choose to live your life in the way that resonates with your heart, with your purpose. And this is the only way, for me, this is the truest way, the only way that society, civilization, humanity can evolve. Is by having that freedom to explore the self and what it means to be human and to change that as we go along Um, so one of the main things that SFL does is like host conferences to attract students to the ideas for those students who are into the ideas and who also feel that these are fundamental values for them then we have leadership development programs where we will give them uh, give students training in you name it really, events, uh, marketing, leadership, so on. Um, and we continue to develop them throughout their time in SFL. So this is like a surface level. It's, it's very rewarding. It's, um, I feel like I found my place, a place that I probably would not have ended up had I not had said yes to the adventure mm. earlier in my life, you know? Uh, and now I'm living a life from traveling the world um, visiting different countries meeting amazing people experiencing different cultures experiencing life all the many different flavours that life has but ultimately when I'm working with students it's, it's, it's driven by a, a deeper sort of um, ambition which is working with people individually like you can sit and read books about freedom and economics whatever until the cows come home as we say in Ireland, <laughs> I never get to say these sayings. I mean. uh, you know, but if you if, if if it's not something that's happening internally, as in the sense of your being, a sense of who you are, then it's kind of useless. So that's what I like to operate. I like to focus on this mindset, and changing the mind is the key to changing the world. Changing your mind is the first step in changing yourself. Changing yourself will have an impact on the people and the relationships around you. Mm -hmm. And it ripples out. It ripples out like waves across eternity. So uh, that's something that I find very uh, deeply rewarding and satisfying. And as I said before, it gives me a sense of um, purpose in my life
0: yeah and you're living in georgia now and there's a massive students for liberty community in georgia you just recently had was it 1400 attendees at a conference yeah around
1: 1400
0: yeah those are really amazing numbers like in terms of you
1: mm-hmm. know we
0: had we had a conference here in 2016 and we had less than 100 people so there's massive gulf and, and, and difference um in the yeah. attendee, right? What, what do you think is the main difference there?
1: The main reason for that? Yeah. It's, it's for me, it's quite obvious. And um, I'm living in Tbilisi now in Georgia, which is like former USSR. I've also lived in Ukraine, Kiev, for over a year. I've lived in Czech Republic for over a year. So for the last three going on four years of my life now, I've lived in the former USSR. Mm. Uh, and what's really interesting for me is um, working with the students in these countries they always have great turnout like uh, Ukraine had great turnout at conferences as well with like upwards of 300 people or more and I think it's quite obvious that here freedom is still um, you know something that they really crave and desire and uh, they know what it's like not to have it yeah, and in the let's say western Western, but I hate that phrase as well. Like more affluent countries of of Western Europe, uh, central to Western Europe and America, they are like we're we're relatively free in social terms. You know, there's a lot of stuff like there's a lot of restrictions. There's like there's a lot of things that we might still like to change to create greater freedom, but we're comfortable. We're happy. You know, we have access to food we have access to health we have comfortable homes we have many ways to entertain ourselves on our you know uh, digital tv internet so it's like we're quite comfortable and what it what i mean is that it's not imperative to promote freedom it's not felt as this is like something that is necessary to do in order for your country to be safe and happy and in the former USSR countries i think there's a lot more of a I have a pressing feeling where this is something that they're not doing it for a hobby or to get a, uh, some experience for their CV. They're doing it because they're like, I don't have a choice. I want my country to be free. I want to have a wealthy country. I want my children to grow up in better circumstances than I grew up in, which mm. is what same as what their parents and grandparents would, would want for the, the generation who's active today. Um, and and of course, like, they all have stories, you know, all the grandparents, all the all the uncles and aunties, they all have stories about what it was like back then. And to be honest, it's quite embarrassing for me sometimes when, if I'm having a political conversation with people in this part of the world and they ask me, like, oh, so, like, Ireland, yeah, they really love freedom in Ireland, don't they? Like, you guys fought for your freedom. Used to. Years. Like, this is the point, you know, you guys fought for freedom all this time. You must really love freedom. And they're like, well, actually... Like, people are calling for bigger government in Ireland. People are calling for more um, government powers. And those people might not even realize they're doing it. I'm talking back to the protest movement that I was involved in. That's why it didn't resonate with me. The stuff that they were calling for, I just was like, no, that's just big. Why do you think the answer to bad government is bigger government or Mm -hmm. more government or different government? Because Mm -hmm. when you really push those people, when you really, really push them, like – uh having intellectual philosophical discussion about their view when it gets down to it what they're really saying is well if i was in government then i would do it differently
0: so mm. it's like
1: they just they actually kind of have secret as um, aspirations to power um, and well if we were in if also me and my buddies were in there then we would do it this way and we would do it that way but it's not you know so that's my views on that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of tragic.
1: Now we've
0: both been um, attending and facilitating leadership um, events with Students for Liberty over the over the times that we've been involved in the organisation, like four or five years together. What's what's some of the the best things that leaders have gone on to do, in your opinion, that you can sort of see a direct connection between the the impact of the training that that, that they've gotten in SFL.
1: yeah i'm getting a message here that my connection is unstable so uh just let me know if any yeah you problems. sound grand you sound grand yeah so i mean gosh there's so many uh examples to choose from i mean we've had uh people go on to uh be elected to, to local parliaments uh, we've had people go on to write like be very well established um, journalists Uh, we've had people go on to set up uh, their own think tanks uh, specializing in certain areas of concern uh, again with the ethos and philosophy of of freedom behind that we've had people go on to become like academics and reach their PhD uh, level and so on and I think like the main uh, we could sit here and list kind of like the trainings that we give and this the, the skills that we offer but actually I think uh, one of the best ways to think about s f l is to think about like uh, as an incubator for somebody's individual greatness yeah there's no one size fits all there's no like step by step path to this conclusion. This is what I love about it it 's about uh honoring the individual inside us, which is the self, which is the uh, self realization it's namaste you know in India they say namaste which means The higher self in me bows to the higher self in you. I recognize you. I see you. I see your greatness. I see that you have the same gift of freedom as I have. And I will protect, it's in my interest to protect your freedom. And it's in your interest to protect my freedom. Because this is the way that we can best grow. This is the way that we can best flourish, you know. So this is one of the things I think is very interesting. That it's not like a one-size-fits-all sort of approach. But it builds character. Mm-hmm. So even people go on to do things that might not be directly related to um, the liberty movement, which is absolutely fine. They got to work in whatever private sector and that, that's, that's fine. But I believe if you ask any of those people who have gone through our programs, did SFL have an impact on your life, they will say yes. And if you ask them to put their finger on it, they might name a few things. They might say, oh, the training was great. The, the people, actually, people often say, like, the community is, is the most amazing thing about Students for Liberty. But ultimately, like, it's kind of subtle how um, having a network like this that is focused on, you know, uh, individual empowerment, which is focused on, you know, giving you the skills to make yourself a better person, to expecting uh, kind of, yeah, encouraging you to, to, to step into your power. And that is the magic sauce that turns out great leaders at the, end of the, at the end of the process.
0: Yeah. And one of the, like, what really struck me there was going back to a talk you gave two years ago in Gummersbeck um, about the culture of SFL. And I think if you ask people that go through the program about what's the culture like, it's kind of hard to describe. There's something incredibly magical about it, but you, you describe it very well. I'd, I'd love you to share some of your thoughts about the culture of SFL.
1: Yeah. So let's just put it into a bit of context, just a little bit of background here. And um, I joined Students for Liberty as a volunteer as well. Um, I had already had like a bunch of experience from the website and the stuff that we were doing in Ireland at the time, but I joined as a volunteer. As like, nobody knew me. I had no like contacts or friends in the organization. And I remember when I was being interviewed, I, I thought, whoa, there's people here working for this movement. I was like, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. <laughs> Right. And then it was like within six months, five or six months, I was now I had become a staff member, I'd become pro i become the manager of the program. I just walked in the door and like this is I'm only saying this to go back to the point I made earlier on about saying yes to the adventure mm. and realizing that you know, you've got some power, you know, you have some power in your mind. Like you can make you can make stuff happen uh, through conscious intention. So uh, I was getting to know this organization now that I was working for. I had to get to know the, the individual leaders and so on and build a rapport with people. And, and, you know, whenever you start something new, there's always a little bit of uncertainty about, am I doing a good job? How, how can I tell if I'm doing this right? And, uh, every six months, we'll get like a, a review, a performance review. And my colleague, a supervisor at the time, was telling me, that oh your your colleagues have really mentioned how you've improved the culture in SFL like the culture is really improving and I was, it had never occurred to me I never thought about it before you know uh, but it was it was a great piece of feedback because it was a a a sort of a hmm, an indicator or a reminder of the fact that I have impact that like as an individual I can change things just by Being who I am and how I how I choose to interact with people and the the way I choose to behave actually has a ripple effect throughout the world, right? But here's my little closed closed circle world of the people I I you know see and talk to and interact with. Yeah. So and that's when I really started to think about the culture and I was like, huh, the culture, yeah, and that's the like. It is quite hard to put your finger on it exactly, culture. But when you look up in a dictionary, like the meanings of the words, one uh, definition that you get is actually a scientific definition. So if you're in a lab and you're working in a Petri dish, you want to grow some like bacteria or something, you you grow it in a culture Mm. called culture. So culture is like the environment or the characteristics through which a thing may grow. And so um the culture in SFL is it's, it's like hard to nail down specific things, but it's the thing that makes people smile when they see each other. Like it can be hard work, you know, uh administrative work, you know, working on spreadsheets and data and stuff like that. It's not sexy, it's not like frontline activism, right? And it can be sometimes quite demanding. Um but then when I see the leaders getting together, like when we meet at Liberty Con or we meet at Top Leadership Retreat, and you see this like connection that they have, this like, fireworks that they're so happy to see each other. They're like, how are you? Oh, my God, my friend. I haven't yeah. seen you in so... It's this it's this family feeling. It's this family of like... I be- it's this feeling of I belong here. Um, and you can get that in a lot of places, but I think what's different about SFL is that you belong there uh if you're a libertarian if you believe in freedom okay there's a place for you there but you stand out when you step into your greatness
0: yeah
1: you stand out you gain respect people admire you more people respect you more when you step into your greatness and i think that's we found ourselves here, Rob. Right? You know, we've had this journey, and we found ourselves here. We're now in front of audiences of young students. To me, that's the uh, that's the reason why we're here mm. is to teach, help, guide people to step into their greatness. Because in the, the part of the culture is we don't resent that. We don't. It's not like a a competitive culture. It's not like a factions. It's not like people are. Because I know some other organizations are like that, where there's factions and they're like lobbying each other to elect their guy into yeah. the chair position. And we don't do that actually at all. Um, and we don't resent each other's success. We're like, wow, did you yeah. see what he did? That's so cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm so He's in SFL. I'm in SFL. I'm so proud that he did that over there. You're doing a great job. And we're yeah. supporting each other and we're lifting each other up and we celebrate each other's successes. These are, That's part of what makes the culture uh, in ESFL so, so special, I think. But the main thing, I want to repeat it, is facilitating, helping, guiding people to step into their greatness, to connect with the inner master, to believe that they can become more than they can imagine today. For sure. That's true
0: empowerment, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love it. Like, we could talk about that forever. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, how can people find out more? Like, if they're interested, if they're watching this, they might be interested in getting involved.
1: With SFL? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, we have studentsforliberty.org is the main website. You can go there, check out, you know, a bit about our work, our mission, our accomplishments, what we've been doing around the world and so on. And um, you'll also be able to see any of the events that are coming up. We have a bunch of events coming up in Europe at the end of the month. We also have our major conference, which is LibertyCon next March, which is going to be in uh, Madrid and Spain. Um, and if you are someone who holds freedom as a fundamental value, then I would urge you to consider applying for the leadership program, which you can also do, do through the website. Um, it's simple application process and we'll go to an interview. And if you first of all, align with the values and ideas of Liberty and, and, um, of SFL, that's one thing. Then it's also your knowledge of those ideas, your practical knowledge. Um, and then finally it's like, are you a good fit for the organization? Do you fit our culture? So that's the kind of main things that we're looking for in a new leader. And um, I'd encourage anybody who's even on the fence listening to this, uh, To do it because it's going to like open so many doors for you consider this your call to adventure and your adventure is applying for uh, students for liberty
0: awesome i'd like to go back a little bit because you you started a very interesting project related to your academic work um the brehan law academy i'd like you to talk a little bit about what
1: what you've created there Okay, so um, this is kind of going back to my interest in the law uh, several years ago, around the time when you when we met. Um, I found out about this idea, the Breton law, this ancient Irish legal system, the the law that was in place in Ireland before the British colonized Ireland. I was super fascinated by it. Um, for many reasons that we could go into here, but like there's a lot, I already have a lot of material out there about the Breton law Academy. So people can go and check that out. But it's kind of like another example of saying yes to the adventure of, of believing in myself. I set out with the goal, in um, 2013 to become, um, a name associated with the Breton law to become a go-to guy on this topic. And, um, let's say three years later, four years later, I had to more or less accomplish that like there's obviously there's professors and so on who, who are way more qualified and experienced to speak about this than me, but they're not there they're not on the internet they're not making videos they're yes. not making accessible courses for people so my I mean there's quite a lot of reading that goes into grasping the laws people some people know about it but they find it hard to get the full picture so that was my mission to to really analyze those existing written materials and to update them, to modernize them it, Yeah, modernize it to make it accessible for like a modern audience so i have my youtube channel which is like a lot of videos on there i have three online courses the first one is about ancient irish society and culture which kind of goes into you know, all aspects of society, how family life worked, how kingship worked, the, the role of women, education, medicine, religion, everything is kind of covered in this course. It's like maybe four or five hours of video. Mm. The second course I released, released was Irish mythology. So first of all, explain what the myths are, talking about some of the stories, but I like to bring in the archetypal idea, the psychological idea. and how these stories were actually stories of personal development and that were used by our ancestors to teach their youngsters how to live uh, in society, how to have a fulfilling and successful life, the hero's journey, if you want. And the final course, which was the main reason I set out, but I felt I had to put the foundation in first before I could speak about the Breton Law. So that was a course that I launched last year, just around this time last year, actually and um, I think it's also about four or five hours and taken together these three courses like will give you like very very holistic clear vivid understanding of what Irish society looked like how it worked and I'm not romanticizing it you know in some ways it's it's like tempting to romanticize it you know but I try to um, put aside the, the fluff um, and just give like the hard information so in some cases you know there's some things that were going on back then that we wouldn't want to happen today, right? But uh, that's not enough of a reason to just dismiss the whole thing. Um, there was an idea that was put out by the British establishment throughout the occupation of Ireland that the Irish were barbarians, that we were trolls. You know, we were didn't even, like, genetically, we, we, we weren't, like, standing up straight. You know, they, and this was important because they needed to dehumanise in the same way that we still see happening with certain regimes today, it's important to dehumanize the enemy in order to justify your treatment of them. So I think that there is like a kind of, um, in the international sphere, when this topic comes up of Breton law, people are very, very surprised to hear that there is such an advanced um, system of law, a a just system, an egalitarian um that's say equitable is a better word than egalitarian yeah. Yeah, system
0: so yeah it's awesome, and I can attest to like the value of those uh, courses because like, i've I've gone through the Irish mythology one because that's very interesting. I recommend that people check it out, and they're still for sale now on on udemy right people can grab them
1: they are for sale on udemy uh udemy has just changed its like promotional policies so it's like uh, I was always given like, huge discounts off them through my own pages. I, I have to figure out what to do, but you can actually get them through Udemy. I would ask people to, if they're interested in doing it, instead of going through Udemy, go to our Facebook page of Brethin Law Academy on Facebook or um for the website and access them through there uh, just because Udemy's policies are they're really stacked against the creator. So I'm asking you if you want to do it so then go through my channels to get to the courses, you'll actually get them for a lot cheaper as well doing that.
0: And just on that point about your Facebook group, you've got like, you've a stack of people in there, right? And it's, it's really interesting. Some of the conversations and love the things that you post. So I would recommend people go over yeah, I mean,
1: it's like it reached like over 10,000 uh, likes this year, which for me is phenomenal because it's a very, very niche topic. Mm. It's very
0: niche, you know. But well, you like, tell it very know. well. You tell the stories very, very well.
1: Yeah, that was, that was the goal, you know. So I, I see that as an accomplishment. Uh, I've, I, <laughs> I've been interviewed, like, you know, um, Tom Wood's show about this. I've uh, spoke at the Hackers' Congress in Prague about these ideas. And um, you know, people have heard these shows and um, they might not know me first, you know, and they made yeah. they the shows. So I was talking to one American guy, one of the colleagues in SFL, and he says, Oh, did you hear this interview that's we were talking about This Bre- guy on Tom Wood's show? It's like, dude, that's me, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so so like I feel that as a sense of accomplishment that I set out with this goal to be seen as an authority on this topic and I achieved that goal. So the only reason why this is interesting for anybody else is you can achieve your goal too you can achieve your goal you know like there's, there's great things these ideas that you have sitting in the back of your mind and you have limiting beliefs that are stopping you from getting there those limiting beliefs can be turned into new powerful motivators and you can achieve these great things as well whatever you put your mind to you know for
0: sure i love that so you you mentioned earlier that you're living in georgia now is there is there something like you posted a couple of things on your Facebook page around the differences between Georgia and Ireland? And I'm just wondering what you miss most about Ireland and what you like about uh, living over in in Georgia.
1: What I miss most about Ireland, I can only say in one word: it's the crack. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the crack. You know the way the way people are in Ireland, like the, uh, the sort of like. Since I've been away for so long, I, I can appreciate it more and it's um, it's hard to kind of put my finger on the right word for this, but it's the feeling of um, how we are with each other, you know, the way we interact with each other in Ireland, like you're, I never would have thought of it this way before, but like you're countrymen, you know, and you have your own ways of being and doing things and... Even if I, on the rare occasion that I meet somebody Irish outside of Ireland, it's like straight away back into the old slang. Start, like, start making fun of each other. And it's like comfort, It's like a comforting thing, you know? That it's like they get you. They get you, you know? Um, but I miss more than that. It's just like simple things that I miss. You know, I miss Irish butter. Butter.
0: I miss <laughs> Irish,
1: Irish butter. And like, you know, sausages and rashers and all <laughs> stuff like that, you know? Uh, it's the but mostly things. I think if I miss the Irish attitude. It's the Irish attitude that I miss, you know. Um like I was travelling home for Christmas last year and I had been away for the whole year. I think yeah, last year was the longest gap that I had uh, being away from home. And I'm in the airport in in England getting my connecting flight, and all of a sudden I start to hear Irish oh, accents coming around me. You know, <laughs> I, like oh, this is so cool! I can understand what people are saying. First of all, because all the time I'm here, you're out and about, you're in the shops, whatever. People are speaking, but your brain just doesn't register. So when I'm around like English speakers like that, it's my brain's picking up everything. You know. Um, And I sat down on the flight and these two women sat down behind me and I could hear them talking and I could tell they didn't know each other. They just met. But they spoke for the entire flight, like about their lives, about their families, about their jobs. I was like, "That's, that's Ireland. That's what makes us different that we can do that and it's not forced and it's not done just out of social nicety it's done because I oh, should will have a chat yeah. So we may as well like you know <laughs> uh, and I really miss that about Ireland just Irishness uh, and I don't want people to I, I, I think people don't see that so much anymore like culturally our culture has become fetishized and come um, com, com- commodified you know like it, no, people are not really respecting a culture they don't care about it so much uh, what it means to be irish we're very become very cosmopolitan basically like very american and ang- anglicized in our nature and the way that we do things and the respect that we have for our culture and our society uh and that's fine because culture and society can change but I'm so sad to think that we would lose that aspect of ourselves, which is the uh, um, authentic uh, connection with people, you know, authentic connection with people that you see and meet on a daily basis. Uh, There's a lot more, I think, fear um, coming into the country and, you know, things are changing. Attitudes are changing a lot, uh, which is kind of worrying to see because it's just uncertain where that might, where that might be. Progress to and um, but in Georgia like people are great here as well like people are very friendly they've got great sense of humor they're very yes. simple very gentle and kind uh, they really love the the, the visitor like the visitors like really they're very happy with visitors and if if I was like with Georgians and I say why do I want to live in Tbilisi they see them getting kind of very proud of themselves and, like, they, they're very proud to be Georgian. Uh, but same with Ukraine, you know, they're, they're very different type of people, of course, but one thing that they have in common is their ferocious, unerring, unalterable love of freedom. Yeah. They love it. Like, the, the main square here is it's called supleva Maidani, which means Freedom Square. Supleva is Georgian for freedom, which means... I own myself, or I am the god of myself. It's fantastic. I love it. Uh, and in 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 the Maidan Square in Kiev, for a long time, for like two years, they had a huge building was covered with the words "Freedom is our religion." So they they awesome. they have this unquenchable desire for their own autonomy as a country, as a nation. All right, and they're yeah, young nations. Let's face it; like nineties is yeah. when they became their own nation let's say in the modern sense and but that sort of mentality uh, you can't have that sort of mentality unless it also applies to the individual for sure like you can it's an extrapolation from freedom of self freedom of the country they go back and forth to each other so you can imagine the mindset of people here is very uh, in love with, with freedom, you know? and That's, that's, that's really a really great thing to see. And like you asked me earlier on about this, it's still important here. It's like easy to be comfortable mm. where we live. Uh, we're back home in Ireland and wherever else, it's, it's easier to be comfortable. And we don't know how good we have it. This, this is the thing, we just don't know how good we have it. Not just in Ireland, but like this generation, bitches and complains about being alive at the best time in human history it's it's nonsense like they forget that their great-grandparents their grandparents like labored labored in the fields labored from the as soon as the sun came up until the sun went down they had muck under their nails they were like they they had to work hard and now we're we're like you know chai frappa latte chinos (laughs) uh, you know avocado toast and all and we're like bitching and complaining about the way the world is but it's never been better time to be alive so what are you doing about that for sure this best time to be like you have the luxury to go online and read about whatever it is you're in learn about Breton law that's a luxury today and what are we doing with that luxury i think so i think the the thing that makes me saddest in this world is that so many people are walking around out there they don't even realize that they're alive they don't even realize what they're but they have this gift you know to be alive and to have choice and to have free will and all of these things. And they just got the emotions of what well, the pre-formatted life that was pre-packaged before they were born. Uh-huh. this like, you know, go to school, get a job, get married, have kids, die, this sort of round the wheel life. When we're living at a time in human history where we have the luxury and the freedom to really explore, to really explore the world around us the world inside us, that's the, that's the real journey.
0: And yeah, I I love what you said there, but at the same time, I wouldn't, because it's relative, right? There's a relative existential angst that people feel and that trigger point for them to make some realization that, you know, this can't be all that there is for me. That's very subjective and it comes in totally different shapes and sizes. So whilst our grand, fathers great grandfathers might have had to you know work in the fields and they might have had much less than we have it's relative right the problems of today you can't really compare with those of generations gone gone before
1: you can't compare the problems today with generations gone before but neither can you compare the opportunities
0: absolutely absolutely and i agree that people kind of don't know that they're living until they make some realization and listen that's what i'm all about having people you know listen to certain things look at certain things about themselves introspection you know obviously is incredibly mm-hmm. important in that that's
1: and that, realization
0: yeah exactly and that goes to, to the next thing i want to talk about is your future plans so you've set up this this new adventure uh regarding coaching and consulting and i'd love to hear some of your your plans and where they fit okay. in
1: uh well um yeah so this is something that uh you've really encouraged me with as well and i really appreciate you for that um it's kind of like i feel the next step on the journey that i've been on for many years it's not so much this is a new enterprise in one sense but for me it's a continuation of the same journey i've been working with students now for like three going on four years um doing like workshops with them, empowerment, uh, training, basic trainings, public speaking, whatever it is. And I feel like um, I want to bring that experience now my experience to a, a, a bigger audience. And I want to work with not just students, but young professionals and people who are like me, you know, um, maybe who are like, they did everything right. They did the college, they got the job they did everything they were supposed to do, but something just doesn't feel mm. right. There's something missing. They have a comfortable apartment. They have like all the money that they need. They can go on their holiday if they want to or not. But, but the people who feel that something is missing, that they're not completely satisfied with what's going on in their lives. And, um, So basically to try and like work with those people to help them with the insights that I've learned over the years from the things that I've studied and the things that I've experienced, try and impart that knowledge uh, to people. So ultimately um, doing empowerment workshops and retreats, mindset retreats is where I want to end up taking like 10 people away for a weekend or five days or 10 days and going really deep into this like consciousness awareness, uh, Getting congruence between your goal the ambition that you want in life. How do you show up in the world and all of these things? And that's where I would like to end up what I realized after a lot of thinking that one place the best place to start for me, the best place to start would be in, in training people with public speaking. This is re- re- ranked as like one of the number one fears that yeah. people have is, is public speaking, which to me is like crazy because we're speaking all the time to each other as public speaking, right? Which is just like switching your head where it's like all of a sudden your hands start shaking and everything goes Showtime. wrong. Showtime! Yeah, so uh, that's the niche that I'm going to focus on at first. But you you know me and anybody who's like done any of my coaching or workshops, it's not like public speaking, uh, completely like external topic. It's always mixed together with self-realization and spirituality and consciousness. So... um, bringing people on that journey like my public speaking workshop has a lot more to do with mindset and and consciousness and psychology than it does with actually public speaking Mm. that's the that's the ingredients that's the little knobs that you can twist and turn to get the frequency right so that you can get on stage and you can deliver an amazing amazing speech where i'd like to go with that is like people who want to go deeper than um to connect with their inner master connect with their inner sense of self, higher self, and to achieve even greater things in life, like to get the, the job of your dreams, to get the, the girl of your dreams, to, you know, create uh, enterprises that sustain, to create a legacy, to create a legacy for yourself. That's really what I would love to be able to work with people on.
0: I love that. I love that. You're singing my my music there. I know. We amazing. Sing,
1: we sing beautiful songs together, right?
0: <laughs> so, like... Just wrapping it up, like, let's go far into the future. Like, what's the ultimate impact that you're looking to make on the world? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... What's the Kevin Flan- Flan- Flanagan I think legacy?
1: Think about it. It's not like... An impact that I'm trying to make on the world. It's an impact that I'm trying to make on myself so that if I live a long and happy life and I make it to a deathbed, I'll be like, yeah, I'm happy with that. I like that. I'm, sat- I'm satisfied, you know? I'm mm-hmm. satisfied. Doesn't matter. Actually, the impact that you make on the world is in some ways negligible, you know, because time goes on and like all things are forgotten and all statues turn to dust you know so it's important to try and make an impact on the world while you're here but realizing you know all the world is a stage where all actors this sort of it's sort of a game you know uh, and so i don't it's not so much what i achieve in the game that isn't uh, that's only important in so far as it's important to me yeah as an individual so i'm trying to make a impact not just on the world, but on myself to be to change and to become a man that I am happy to be and that I'm pleased to be, which I am on that journey. But you know, it's all you we always change and we always grow and adapt, but to be satisfied with who I am, happy with who I am. Yeah, beautiful, that is amazing.
0: I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope everybody watching enjoys it too. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to mention? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with any of your programs? And
1: Yeah, so I made a new Facebook page for this uh, sort of work, um, combining my two surnames because they're so long. It's Flanagan and Coombs, so I just put it together, so it's Flanco. So if you search Kevin Flanco coaching and consulting on Facebook, you'll find that page. If you know me already, like feel free to message me on Facebook or you can email me at kev.flanco at gmail.com. And, like, don't be shy. I'm always happy to hear from people and connect with people. Uh, so if you're interested in learning more about this and what I'm about, and what I'm up to, if you're interested, then that's how you go find
0: me. Awesome. Listen, Kev, I absolutely love everything you're doing in the world. I think you're an amazing human being. And I don't, I don't just say that blowing smoke up your ass. It's like I admire the shit out of you. You're, you're, you're a really great leader. And what you're doing in SFL, I absolutely love it. So I recommend everybody check Kevin out and what he's doing. And thank you for taking the time to do this with me today.
1: You're awesome.